Let's just keep playing that. Let's just keep playing that. I want you to find a neighbor to pray for. And if you've been lukewarm in any areas of your life and you need some fire, ask them to pray for you. Pray for one another right now. As they're praying and ministering that song in that word and that spirit, if you've been lukewarm in your walk with Jesus, and you got you got to get fired, say, God, I want to agree. Set that fire on me. I want to be hot. I want to be hot. I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be hot. I want to be hot. I want my black to be black, my white to be white. I want my light to be strong. Fire, not lukewarm. Fire, fire. Let it burn, burn, burn. Spirit of burning. Fire, fire, fire. No longer lukewarm. No longer compromising. Let it burn up. Let it burn up. No longer compromising. Areas of compromise. Let them burn up. Areas you know where you're compromising. Fire of God fall. Fire, 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 fire. Fire. In your heart. Areas that you're compromising. Areas that you've grown cold and waxed cold. Pray right now. God, heat that. Fire that area. Areas where you've lowered the standard. Let that fire burn. Brighter, brighter, brighter. Where it's dimmed out. Let it become brighter. No longer lukewarm. The Lord said, I would that you be hot. I would that you be hot. Lord, heat up our hearts. Burn up the compromise. Burn up. Burn it up. Burn it up. It's an hour to be red hot with the Lord Jesus. Red hot. Light's greater than darkness. Truth is greater than a lie. Lord, bring that heat right now. Bring that heat. Bring that heat. For our hearts. Your people, called by your name, your church. No gray. Black or white. Let the mixtures burn up. In every life here. And in your church at large. Sounds good. Sounds like taking some ground. Sounds like a sound of war. Sounds like you take some ground. Take back some ground. Take back some ground in heart. As you're praying in the spirit, or as you're praying in heart with God, as you're opening your heart and your mind to the Lord right now, take some ground back. Take some ground back. Take some ground back in your life. As they're aiding praying with sounds of that warfare that you can take some ground take some ground take some ground come on push back that darkness pushing it back 
out of your life, out of your family, out of this community. Pushing it back. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Take some ground. Cooperate with Jesus. Cooperate with His Spirit in you. Take some ground. Shake yourselves. Take some ground. Come on. Come on. Lord, we take ground. We submit ourselves to God. We resist. We submit ourselves to God. And we resist darkness in any form or fashion that it comes. Take some ground. Come on. Taking that ground. Taking the ground. Come on. Taking the ground. Come on. Taking the ground. Come on. Taking that ground. Come on. Come on, lift your voice. Taking that ground. Come on. We're taking that ground. Come on. We're taking that ground. We're taking some ground. We're taking some ground. Come on. We're taking some ground. Come on, prophesy. Come on. Get rid of the sheepishness. Taking some ground. We're 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 taking some ground. Come on. Sing it, girls. Sing it. Come on. Sing it, girls. Come on. Yeah, roar with it. Sing it. Come on. Yeah, sing it. Sound of war. Shriek it. Shriek it. Come on. Taking some ground. Take it. Taking some ground. Come on. Overcome that darkness. Come on. Overcoming that darkness. Taking some ground. Come on. In your life. In your family. In your community. In your city. Overcoming that darkness. Come on. Take the ground. Come on. Taking some ground. We're taking some ground. We're taking some ground. Come on. Sing it. Prophesy it. Come on. Pray, pray. If you need to come out of your pew and you need to hit the altar, take that ground. Take that ground. If you need to do a little travailing, here it is right here. Take the ground right now. Not a time to be mixed. Not a time to be gray. Come on. Come on. Overcoming that darkness. Overcoming darkness. Come on. Come on. Take it. Take it. Take it. Take it. Taking that ground. Taking that ground. Taking that ground. Taking that ground. Come on. Come on. Tom, where are you at? Jeremiah 14, 9th verse. Jeremiah 14, 9. Come on, pray it. Pray it like you mean it. Taking some ground. Come on, prophesy it. Break yourself out. Taking some ground. We're taking some ground. We're taking some ground. 
pray. Let's pray. Let's pray as a church. Body of Christ, let's pray. Jeremiah 14, 9th verse. Let's go. Pray, pray, pray. Try 19, Tom. Try 19 for me. Come on. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Pray yourself through. No, that's not it. Let's read this together. It says, my bowels, my bowels, or the Hebrew says, my heart, my heart. I am pained and very, at my very heart. It says in the Hebrew, the walls of my heart. It makes a noise in me, and I cannot hold my peace. Because thou hast heard, O my soul, the sound of a trumpet and the alarm of war. Jeremiah is saying, I'm feeling that burden of God. I'm feeling that weight of God, and my heart is overwhelmed. I can't hold my peace. i got to make a sound. I want you to break up in groups. I want you to pray for our nation right now. There's a heaviness about our nation, and I want you to pray for it. Seize the opportunity. That's what the church is for. I want you to grab your neighbor's hand and begin to pray for our nation. Just like Jeremiah said, the walls are falling in on my heart. I feel the pressure. I can't hold my peace. Because you have heard my soul. The sound of a trumpet in the war. A sound. i got to make that sound. i got to get that burden of God out. Pray for this nation. It's in a bad place. Pray for the nation. Pray for this nation. Pray for it right now. With the burden of God, pray for the nation. Pray for its leaders.
pray. Pray for the leadership. Pray for this nation. Pray for the Lordship of Jesus in Washington. Pray for the King, the Kingdom of God to come. Pray in this nation that there's one higher than I. There's one higher than every every authority. It's Jesus Christ. And though many people said they wanted a king, God said, I am your king. Make him king in your life. Make him king. Proclaim him as he's welcome as king in our nation. The nation, the people of Israel wanted a king. And God said, I'm your king. I'm that guy. I'm your king. Pray for his kingdom. Come on. Yeah, I can't hold back. Yeah, come on. Prophesy, prophesy. Come on. Come on, come on. That a girl. Come on. Come on. Yeah, not letting up. No, we won't. Come on, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, prophesy. Prophesy with her. Make it a prayer. Can't hold back. I won't. You keep them coming. Come on, come on. Come on, come on. Prophesy, prophesy. your heart's cry. Make that your confession. Can't hold back till his kingdom comes. It's all about the Lord. It's all about Jesus. It's all about his kingdom. One king, one God. Pray it. It's always been the Lord's plan for his kingdom. The end of Revelation says the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ. It's always been the heart of God to bring His kingdom. Even the revelation through Jesus in Matthew 16. He said, who do men say that I am? You're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And upon that confession, I'm going to build my ecclesia, my church. And not only that, through that church, I'm going to establish my kingdom. And Peter, I'm giving you keys to the kingdom. Come on. Say so he's promoting his church. And he's building his kingdom out of his church. It's the Lord. Say, Jesus, you're Lord. You're Christ. You're the son of the living God. And you're building your church. And out of your church is coming your kingdom. You're giving the keys to it. Your rule. Your authority. Your government. 
With that sound, let's sing that. Let's pray that and pour that in. In your life, in this city and community, in our nation. Let's pray that prayer in Matthew 6. Come on. Let your kingdom come. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Come on. Yeah, go ahead. Put your hands together. He teaches your hands to war, your fingers to fight. Obviously, God takes ground in your heart, burdens our heart, his church, to pray for the nation. Come on. Put it together. Sound of war. He teaches my hands to war. He teaches my fingers to fight. Come on. Praise Him. Lift up your hands and thank Him. Thank Him that you belong to a kingdom. Thank you you belong to Jesus Christ. You're bought with a price. You have a king and a ruler over your life. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Will you call Him Lord? Say, I call you Lord, Lord. And I do what you say to do. I call you Lord, Lord, and I do what you say to do. Lord Jesus, King Jesus, Lord in Christ. With your hand over your heart, will you say, Lord, my obedience belongs to God. My faith, I receive things from myself, but my obedience belongs to God. Thank you for faith that I receive things. Thank you for faith that I've, I'm healed and I'm my provision, but obedience belongs to God. We obey God rather than men, Peter said. Strengthen your heart. Say, God, strengthen me in my obedience. In my obedience. In carrying out the will of God. Lord, I appreciate faith in the church. But strengthen me with obedience in the kingdom. To obey is better than sacrifice. Obedience in your kingdom. We must obey God in this hour rather than men. We must obey God, Peter said. Obey God. 
Forget about men, what they like, what they want. You obey God. If he tells you to preach the gospel to your neighbor, preach it. Obedience is better than sacrifice. If he's compelling you to talk to someone, say, God, I obey. My obedience belongs to Jesus. You tell him, I call you Lord. And I do what you say to do. I go where you say for me to go. I live where you say for me to live. I call you Lord. And I do what you say to do. Say, Lord, strengthen me. In the areas of obedience. Some things we pray and some things we just simply obey. With your eyes closed and you know what God's, you've prayed it. You've had faith for it. Now it's just time to simply obey it. That's how you take the land. Yeah, there's a part in prayer. And yeah, there's a part of the beauty of faith and prayer. And then there's a part we just obey. No more praying about it, just obeying in it. Whatever that is that you've prayed about. Things that you God's compelled you to come out of, just obey today. Just obey today. God strengthened to obey. Obedience belongs to Jesus. Will you say that obedience belongs to you? You tell the Lord, I don't fear what man can do. I fear and reverence God and respect the Lordship of Jesus. Obedience is better than sacrifice. My obedience to you is better than sacrifices. And as I'm communicating and God's moving in your heart, things that you've prayed, now just obey. You know what they are. You just got to obey. It'll come back in you every time. It'll come back out of you every time. And God says, yeah, I want you to obey that. Just carry that through. Obedience, carrying out the will of God through your obedience. hands to heaven and say I receive Lord I receive Lord I receive we receiving a kingdom Hebrews 12 28 we receiving constantly receiving another measure of your kingdom we receiving a kingdom will you put your hands and say Lord I'm receiving another delegation of your kingdom in the king I'm receiving another level of faith and obedience to you I'm receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. In my life, in this church, in this community, for yours is the kingdom. Will you tell them that? Saying, thine is the kingdom. Yours is the kingdom. And the glory forever and ever amen for yours is the kingdom and the glory forever and ever amen one more time for yours is the glory and the kingdom forever 
and ever. Amen. Thank you for this atmosphere. Thank you for your authority, your strength. We serve a living God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of resurrection. Same God in us over us in this hour in our lives and in this community and everywhere we go and your sound in the earth re-emphasizing your kingdom to your disciples for 40 days appearing and reappearing put your hand over your heart say Lord in this time appear to me speak to me concerning the things of your kingdom open my eyes to see my ears to hear and my heart to understand speak into me the things of your kingdom the things that matter the things that have meaning the things that have your authority will you tell them that we're your church we're your ecclesia. And to us, you give us the keys to the kingdom. Sing it with her. Let's start. We are receiving shakable kingdom. Yes, yes, yes. We are receiving shakable kingdom ever and ever. Amen. We are receiving shakable kingdom Revelations 11, I don't know what verse, maybe 15, 5, the kingdoms of our God, kings of this earth, you probably know where it's at. We'll just read that one time.
look up and read it. And the seventh angel sounded, and there was a great voice in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become, are becoming, the kingdom, say kingdoms, of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Amen. Be seated. Father, we're receiving another measure and an emphasis of your kingdom in our lives, in this church, and should be in the universal church on the earth. But we're receiving it. So, Lord, I pray today that your word once again has free course. And I'm praying for Arthur that he'd speak. Let any man speak as an oracle of God by the ability which God you've given him, Peter said. Release those things that you've deposited in him. Open our ears to hear. Open our eyes to see. And our hearts that they may understand. And let him dispense, squeeze out the word of God today. And let it build line upon line, precept upon precept, a further extension of speaking forth your kingdom and honoring you today, Jesus, as the king. Will you tell the Lord, everyone, saints of God, Lord, we love you. And we long for your returning. We long for your kingdom in another measure in Jesus name Amen Pray that the kingdom of God be stirred in you. Let the kingdom of God be stirred in you. The word says, and the increase of his government, there shall be no end. We can only make that happen. When the increase of his government, the increase, there shall be no end. What is that? Well, is he over the head of the, the United States of America? No. So how can we look at the increase of that government to be our salvation? We can't. The increase of his government is when his kingdom resides in the hearts of men. Where his kingdom resides in the people that make up that community. Let the increase of his government in this place have no end. There's where it resides. When the government, when he is my head, when he is that which tells me what to do, that increase will continue and continue and continue. A couple of weeks ago, or three weeks ago, I don't know when it was, but Craig was talking about the 2013 
and how we need to get back to simplicity, how uh, be uh, what is meaningful, focus on those types of things. And I, and I had somewhat of a vision just in my mind's eye. And I saw that recruiting station over at the mall where there's like the Navy, the Army. Uh, there's four of them, I think. And uh, you've all seen them. You've all seen them there. Um, and you all know people that probably have gone to those offices. And I saw that this one guy went in, and he says, I want to sign up. And they said, well, that's great. And those, those recruiters in there are nice. I mean, they're like, yeah, sign on the dotted line. We, we want you. Uncle Sam wants you. And then he went over and sat down. And then another guy came in. And he says, I want to sign up. In fact, a recruiter came to my school and told me to come over here and to sign on the dotted line and say, I want to be in the Army or Navy or whatever it was. And then he went over and sat down, still in the same office. And the same pattern continued and continued and continued until there was no more, there was no room. There were people sitting down, there were people standing up, and they were all crammed in this recruiting station. And those guys were so nice. They were like, man, we're so glad you signed up. But you see, this isn't where the war happens. First, you've got to go to basic. You've got to go be trained. You've got to go, this is a rifle. This is how you're going to survive out there. Because there's going to come a time where you're going to need to survive. We're going to put you in harm's way. We're going to put you in the place where you have to fight against the enemy. And I saw the huge problem in our churches today. They're huge recruiting stations. Bring those converts in. Go out there and gather them. Go there and bring them. And then sit in the same room week after week after week. And they have this mentality. Can you imagine those people in the recruiting office all of them all sitting there, at some point going, where's my check? I mean, I signed on the dotted line. You're supposed to give me a check. Or you're supposed to help me go to college. Where are the benefits? And they said, the benefits don't start until you get out there. Until you start doing the work that we called you to do. And it was just amazing to me. He showed me the church and how impotent the church has become because we're just full of converts and not disciples. We're full of recruits and not soldiers. And there's a huge, huge difference. And so 
we have talked and we have sung so much about the kingdom of God. And it's become a buzzword. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. We have to enter into the kingdom of God. Did you know that Paul writes in here, and we're going to look at some scriptures, but Paul writes in here, this is how we enter into the kingdom of God. He said, I haven't even gone in there myself. In places in his life, he says, I need to go. So many times we say, if you've come into the church, you've come into the kingdom. And that's just not a true statement. You may have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but there's more. There's a discipleship. If anything, if, 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 if you need a title to this, it's come out of the recruiting office. Come out of the recruiting office. There may be some people, when you get to basic training, they're not as nice as the people that were in the recruiting office. They may be telling you, look, get up, run. Get up, do. And the reason, it's not because they're just mean people. Now, some of them may be, but they're saying, we've got to save your life. There's some things that are going on. And we want you to be able to save someone else's life. Turn with me to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Start with verse 18. Matthew 28, starting with verse 18. And Jesus approached and said, breaking the silence, and said to them, All authority, all power of rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority has been given to Jesus Christ. Is that some authority? No, it's all authority has been given to him. Go then. Go then and make converts of all the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and into the Holy Spirit. Go then and make converts, or does it say disciples? Disciples. Disciple means student. Disciple means a learner. Disciple means someone who is grasping the things that are happening. First of all, he establishes his power and his willingness to give it to us. All power has been given to me. So I want you to know that you're not going into this endeavor on your own. You're not going into this without the equipment and the ability to do what you're supposed to do. Okay? 
That's so frustrating when that does happen. But he's saying that's not going to happen. All power has been given to him. Go then and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them into the name of the, what? The Father? There's a fatherhood involved in this. He says baptizing them and get them into. Baptism means immersion. It's not just into water. It's into this. Baptizing them into the fatherhood of God. That we actually know that God is our father. God is is the one who will sustain us. God and the fatherhood of God is to be established in our hearts. You know, the beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. Did you fear your father? I had kind of a messed up family. I feared my mother. (laughs) But the reality was, there was a fear involved. (laughs) And I did what was right because of that fear. Baptizing them into the immersion, the immersion into Father God and the Son, Jesus Christ. There's a sonship that happens. We're adopted. We're grafted in. He shows us this is how to relate to your father. It is the example of Jesus Christ. We come into a sonship in God. Next. And of the Holy Spirit. Power. The Holy Spirit is power in your life. I was a Christian way, way before I ever knew what the power of the Holy Spirit was in my life. But boy, when I found out, it was wonderful. (laughs) I started reading the Bible. I mean, I've been preaching for 10 years I started reading when I got the power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I went, wow, I never saw it that way. It gave me a whole new life. When I found the Holy Spirit, it brought some assurance and confidence in me. I thought, let me pray for you. For one, I knew that the power of God, what what he had done for me. Wow, he's taken me out of this place. He's moved me into a new realm. He has taken me out of darkness and sin. And now he's saying, this you have power to overcome. It brought an assurance and a confidence in me in my sonship with God. I thought being a Christian was all there was, and then I was introduced to sonship. I went, wow. It was a whole new way of thinking and looking at God. I'm his son. I started reading about how I'm adopted, how I've been bought with a price. I, I, I was looking at scriptures and saying I was grafted in. That there were some people that rejected Jesus, and because they rejected Jesus, he allowed me to come in. 
to his household. And I was a son living in his house, living in his habitation. And I needed to know how to go in and out of that house. I needed to know how to conduct myself in the house of God because it was his house. He's the father. And then I needed to know how to love him, respect him, give him the glory that is due him. It's still in me, the rightful exaltation of God. What is the rightful exaltation of God in our lives, in this life? Do you see when it's not happening? Do you pray at those times for the power of God? And teaching them, go and make them disciples, part of discipleship, teaching them to observe everything. I think there's where the rub comes in. Because a lot of times, the only way I know you don't understand or that you don't know that it's happening, is when you say something that's kind of not there. I was with a guy that used to go to church here, and he kind of told me this off-color joke, and I didn't laugh, and I just looked at him like, I, I did the blinking thing. <laughs> I don't understand. And he, he's going, you don't understand the joke? I was going, I don't understand the joke. I don't understand why you're telling it to me. That's what I don't understand. What? I don't get it. There's something in you that's wrong. There's something in you that needs to change. There's something in you. And, you know, if I would have probably got in his grill, he'd have probably got offended. He'd probably say, well, yeah, you know, well, you're a fuddy-duddy. No. I recognize. I recognize when things aren't right. I know what's right and wrong. Black's going to get blacker. White's going to get whiter. Let's live that way. Teaching them to observe. Now, I didn't, I didn't have any say into this man's life, and I knew that. But if it was somebody, if, you know, if Cole would have told me that joke, he wouldn't have ever dared. But <laughs> because he knew what? He'd be corrected. Son, we don't do that. <laughs> How do we walk these things out? By teaching them to observe everything. Not picking and choosing, because here he says, this is, this is how you pick and choose, that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you all the days, perpetually, uniformly, and on every occasion, to the very close and the consummation of the age. Amen. I'm going to be with you. I want to help you do it. I want to help you see things. I want to I help you feel uncomfortable. In the place of darkness. Just go, I don't like this. 
you're going to feel obligation. And you go, I, I can't do obligation. I have to live by the Spirit. That's too tight. I don't want to do that. Why? Because God's saying, you made that your Lord instead of me. You made that your Lord and not me. With God, I feel freedom. Does he ask me to go where I'm uncomfortable? Sometimes. Sometimes he does. But you know the difference. In a minute, I'm going to show you some things. Mark 16. Starting with verse 16. No, starting with verse 15. Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach and publish openly the good news, the gospel, to every creature and the whole human race. To every creature of the whole human race. He who believes who adheres to and trusts in and relies on the gospel and him who, whom it sets forth and is baptized will, will be saved from the penalty of the eternal death. But he who does not believe, he who does not adhere, adhere to or trust in or rely on the gospel and him who sets it forth will be condemned. And these attesting signs, and these attesting signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And even if they drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will get well. And then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out. And preached everywhere. And while the Lord kept working with them and confirming the message by the attesting signs and miracles, they closely accompanied that that closely accompanied it, accompanied it. He's with them. And he goes and he tells them, Go do this. Go preach everywhere. Everywhere that you're at, go preach this. And they had a lot to say. And those who believe, and he defines what that belief is, they will be saved, and those who won't will not be. He says, and you will have power. You know these, uh, I don't know exactly how they work, but they're eco cars. They're half electric, half gasoline. My limited understanding is that when you come to, when you come to a stop sign, they basically almost shut off, conserving power. When you put on the gas, it revs itself up and it goes forward. I'm asking you to step on the gas. 
that while you sit still, no power is needed. But once you confront the enemy, all the power that you need is going to be there. I believe that's a promise. I believe that's what God is telling us to do. Have faith that what you need, when you need it, will be there. But if you sit at the stop sign and just worry and never touch the gas pedal and you just kind of worry, oh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to make, make it across the street. I, you know, oh, man. Ooh. I'm saying open our mouths. That's part of discipleship. That's going to basic training. That's getting into the lines. Turn to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. We've been talking about the kingdom of God. Look at verse 4, excuse me, chapter 14, verse 22. Start with verse 21. And when they had preached the good news, the gospel, to that town and made disciples of many of the people, they went back to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch. In verse 22, establishing and strengthening the souls and the hearts of the disciples, urging and warning and encouraging them to stand firm in the faith and telling them that it is through many hardships and tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. He's talking to people who are already saved. He says, establishing and strengthening the souls and the hearts of the disciples, urging and warning and encouraging them to stand firm in the faith and telling them that it is through many hardships and tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. What are the tribulations for? To build spiritual muscle. The tribulations are for the things that we overcome. The tribulations is a dependence on God. How does God work in this? There are people who have marriages that were never established by God. They either got married because of lust, of convenience, and from that time, they had problem after problem after problem. And they go, ah, we don't know how to get out of it. It's because it's not based upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. There wasn't an establishing of God in their lives. And there wasn't a strengthening and an encouraging going on. How can the increase of his government continue always and always unless the government is the one over them telling them how to live with one another? He outlines it in the book. He says, wives, this is how you should live. Husbands, this is how you should live. 
brothers and sisters in Christ, this is how you should live. And if we ignore those things, you'll continue to have trouble and never become overcomers. The reason that he says, brothers, live together in unity, is because when we're in disunity, we are not together. It is our job to overcome the tribulation of that. There's where the kingdom of God will reside. When we not look at his selfishness and my selfishness, but unto what God wants for him and I. There's where it works. And there's where the kingdom resides. Super Bowls today. I was listening. I don't know. It was some Brett Favre or somebody. <clears throat> it was Reggie White. That's it. It was, it was Reggie White. And he was saying, you know, on our team, we have problems all the time. We get mad at each other. We say bad things to one another. He goes, but everyone on that team knows that it's going to take us to get together and work as a team to accomplish winning that game. We got to have the same attitude, folks. It's going to take us together as brothers and sisters in Christ to win the game. He wants us to. He says there's a beautiful thing about it. When brothers live together in unity. In verse 22, there's a difference between salvation and entering into the kingdom. There is an entering into another aspect. We've been talking about it. We've been singing about it. Craig up here is is like, you know, the kingdom of God, let it rain. Let it rain in this city. God, we have a long way to go. Let the kingdom of God reign. Why? Because it is his government that we want in this city. We want those people. We want the kingdom of God in our schools. Wow. What difference would it make if the kingdom of God resided in the government of that school? That things and decisions were made based on what the the principles of God were. Sorry, Jimmy, i got to talk, talk about you. <laughs> he told me to stop it, but I'm not. <clears throat> Jimmy uh, talked to the National Honor Society about integrity this past week. It was this past week. The National Honor Society. Now, what Jimmy told me about the National Honor Society was they don't usually have people come and talk to them. But the one who is over the National Honor Society says, we need someone to come and talk about integrity. I would think, just me, 
I would think that part of the reason that you get inducted into the National Honor Society is because you already have integrity. Right? I mean, that's, that's the whole award system. You get what you already have done. And yet there was a lack. We need someone to come talk about integrity and character to the National Honor Society. Now, Jimmy did it. Jimmy and what he said, some listened, some didn't. Case all over the world. Entering into the kingdom of God is a different way of life. I was praying. Someone had asked me to do something. And I said, I might, I might not. I don't know. And uh, I felt a a little bit of, of obligation. I felt like there were a little bit of manipulation. And uh, so I went to the prayer closet. I said, you know, God, you got to let me know what to do here. I don't know. And I thought he gave me clear direction. He really did. And I went to Sharon and I said, look, apart from them, this is what God said for me. The peace of God that fell on me. When, that, when I said that, apart from them, the will of God for my life is this. And so, therefore, the decision was easy because I follow what God said for me. And you know that day, his government increased in my life. You want to take land in your in your life, you want to take land in your family, you want to take land in, into things that aren't going quite so well, find out the will of God in that place. Look up the word of God that brings about what he desires for that place and allow him and allow the government, and the government is tell you what to do. Lordship is closely related to being your boss. So just do what he says do. Say what he says say. And so therefore you walk and step into the kingdom of God. And there comes victory. Why? Because his power resides in his word. His power. And I'm not talking about this word, but the rhema word of God. Not just the Logos, but the rhema word of God. His power resides in it. He spoke the word and the earth was formed. He spoke the word and there was light. He spoke the word and there was a man. I'm telling you, power resides in his word. Turn to Philippians chapter 3.
Philippians chapter 3. Starting, <clears throat> starting with verse 8. Paul's talking about himself. And, he, and, and uh, he starts in verse 8. Well, he starts further up about who he is or who he thinks he is. <laughs> I said this to, to a guy the other day, and I repeated it to Cole. I said, you know, at one point, Paul thought he was hot boogers on a silver plate, and he turned out to be, uh, no, he thought he was hot snot on a silver plate. turned out he was cold boogers on a paper plate. And uh, he thought he was all that, but he turned out to be nothing. And in verse 8, he says, yes, furthermore, I count everything as lost compared to the Possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, and the supreme advantage of knowing Jesus Christ our Lord and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, of perceiving and recognizing and understanding Him more fully and clearly. For His sake, I have lost everything and considered all to be mere rubbish, refuse, dregs, in order that I may win, gain Christ the Anointed One. And that I may actually be found and known as in Him, not having any self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own based on my obedience to the law's demands, ritualistic uprightness and supposed right standing with God's thus acquired, by possessing, but possessing the genuine righteousness which comes through faith in Christ, the anointed one, and the truly right standing with God which comes from God by saving grace. He says, everything that I did to try to receive righteousness, I couldn't achieve it. It was impossible to win righteousness through the flesh. I can work and work and work and work and it's not going to happen. He says it's only through relationship through Jesus Christ. It's only through Him that you are able to have this. Verse 10. For my determined purpose is that I may know Him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of His person more strongly and more clearly. And that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which exerts over believers, and that I may so share his sufferings, share in his sufferings, as to be continually and transformed. Sufferings means transformation. In the spirit, into his likeness, even to his death, in the hope. In the hope that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral Resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in the body. Even while in the body. Taking me out of the dead, even while in the body. Not that I have now attained this. <laughs> this is Paul. Man, not that I've attained all this. It's not, you know, I'm working at it too. That's what he's saying. 
or have already been made perfect. But I press on to lay a hold and grasp and make my own that for which Christ Jesus the Messiah has laid hold of me and made me his own. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet, but one thing I do It is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. How many people lie in the past? I was this, I was that. I used to. He said, forget it. Forget it. Stop letting Satan accuse you of something that you are not. Take on Christ's definition for you. It's much more simple. Sons, daughters of God. Talking about complicated. (laughs) I get so complicated up in my head. Even... (laughs) Jesus is coming already. The trumpet has blown. (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) I liked it. Forgot what I was saying, but that's a... Verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the supreme heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. He's saying, look, there's a prize. There's something better than where you are at right now. There's something better for me than where I'm at right here. There's something more for me. Last night we were talking about how old we were. You know, uh, Beth, Anna Marie, Jimmy, Tom, Craig being the baby. The reality was going, we're all in our 50s, you know. But has God done with us? <laughs> in some ways, I feel like we're just beginning. In some ways, I feel. In some ways, I feel. I feel like an infant. <laughs> There's so much more. So much more that he has to change in my life for me to be able to receive. Because I got mental blocks. Oh wow. The reality, they're killing me. And. Uh, and I'm going, what? What can change me? Purify my heart. Change my mind. Show me. It wasn't until my 40s that I had enough confidence to say, hey, uh, give somebody the gospel. Worried about what they're going to think. Worried about what they were saying. In my 40s. And I was a pastor. Worried about what someone else would think. Fear of man. Had to get rid of it. 
Had to get rid of those things. Man pleaser. Oh, Heather, I want you to like me. You know, I, I, want, I want you to say nice things about me. So I don't want to say anything that might rile you up. No. I need to worry about what God was saying to me. I don't want to rile God up. I don't want to go home and go, Oh, God, I'm sorry. When I, when I kind of got that, it was like, I want to go home at the end of the day without regret. Regret to God. You know, there were some days that I went home and go, God, how long? How long do I have to come and still say I'm sorry? He said, until you get it right. How long will it be when you move with the cloud and stand still with the cloud? Until you get it right. And then it will become a joy. It will become a joy to obey God. Verse uh, 15. So let those of us who are spiritually mature and fully grown have this mind and hold these convictions that if in any respect you have a different attitude of mind, God will make that clear to you also. God will speak. God will say, that's not a good thing to think. 16. Only let us hold true to what we have already attained and walk and order our lives by that. And order our lives by that. I was talking to a man. His wife had just left him. And his wife is, is uh, moved on. And he is, he, he's devastated. He's devastated by the decision she's making. And I'm going, you need to understand, you're not in her frame of reference when she's making these decisions. She doesn't care, that, she doesn't care whether you like it or not. She's going on. And you're here going, I can't believe this. So you need to go on too. And the number one thing you need to do is get Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Get out of the realm of the world and come into the realm of the kingdom. There's where it's going to work. There's where you have a hope and a future. There's where there's a destiny that you'll be able to have peace and joy and love in every other one of those fruits of the Spirit. There. Not here. And man, do people want to live in peace and think that they can achieve it there. Well, I have a Beamer, and I have a Mercedes, and I have a huge house, and I have some uh, lakefront property. Actually, it was oceanfront property. And I said, but you're here. You're here right now. What are you going to do? Turn to First John.
First John, First John, chapter one. Actually, it's uh, chapter. No, we'll start with verse one. Uh, chapter one, verse one. And we are writing about the word of life in him who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard, whom we have seen with our own eyes, whom we have gazed upon for ourselves and have touched with our own hands. And the life and aspect of his being was revealed, made manifest, and demonstrated, and we saw as eyewitnesses and are testifying to and declare to you that the life, the eternal life in him, we are who already existed from the Father and who actually was made visible, was revealed to us, his followers. What we have seen and, our, and ourselves heard, we are also telling you so that you too may realize and enjoy fellowship as partners and partakers with us. And this fellowship that we have, which is the distinguishing mark of Christians, is with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So, he's saying, I'm telling you this stuff, I'm writing this stuff, so that you can become partners and partakers. But all of that is in Jesus. All of that is in Jesus. In chapter 2, throughout the whole chapter, he talks about little children. Now, little children, you need to be aware. Uh, little children, I write you these things so that you uh, may not violate God's law and sin. But in anyone should sin, we have an advocate, one who will intercede for us and with the Father, and it is Jesus, the Jesus Christ, the all righteousness, upright, just, who conforms to the Father's will in every purpose, thought, and action. You know what he's doing there? He's training. He's going, I need to teach you some things. Now, he's he, he like taking little, little Noah, and he's putting him up there, and he goes, now, this is right, and this is wrong. Don't do this do that and i want to tell you that there's sin involved that we're just going to call it what it is it's sin so don't do that now understand little boy that i'm for you i want the best for you you have an advocate if you're hungry i want to get you what you need i want to feed you i want to give you all that you need to live this life little children Little children, you know, I want you to be safe. I want you to be warm. But you need to understand some things. Okay? The goodness of God. He's good. He's loving. He goes on. Let's go down to, uh, he's continuing to talk about and give instruction to the little children about who God is. Go down to verse 12. 
a little more. I'm writing to you, little children, because for his name's sake, your sins are forgiven, pardoned through his name. And on account of confessing his name, he's going, look, I'm not holding anything against you. I'm not condemning you. I'm saying, your sins are forgiven. Come here. Let me hug you. Let me hold you. Right after that, in verse 12, oh, no, excuse me, verse 13, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you have come to know, recognize, and be aware of, and understand him who has uh, exited from the beginning. I am writing, oh, because you have come to know. He says, you know this stuff, fathers, you mature ones. You should know this. This is yours to know and to impart and to give. Young men, because you have been victorious over the wicked one. Remember, we're talking about people that in their 50s were not eligible for the draft. They're going, we don't need you little weak-kneed old men out there on the front lines? Who do they want? They want those 18-year-olds, 18 to 20s. Why? Because they believe they're still young, agile, mobile, hostile, be able to do the work. And in this, he's saying, I'm writing to you, young men, because you have been victorious over the wicked one. Young men, you need to learn to be victorious over the, over the wicked one. You've been in some battles. You've, you've gone through some things, and you are winning. You know how to be victorious. I write to you, boys, lads, because you have come to know, recognize, and be aware of the Father. Starting to hear the voice of God. Yeah, you ever see, you know, that scripture, I I believe it's in John, where he says, and my sheep hear my voice. Do you notice it doesn't say lambs? It doesn't say the lambs hear my voice. It says the sheep hear my voice. They need to be trained. They need to be taught how to discern the voice of God in their lives. What's right? What's wrong? You know Satan comes as an angel of light, right? Bright, beautiful. And you can't allow the young ones to fall for any shiny thing that comes around. No. It may sound good, But you see, that's still in the tree of good and evil, not in the tree of life. Just because something sounds good doesn't mean that it's good. (laughs) He goes on. Uh, We're in verse 14. What I would like for you to do is read all of 1 John. At the end of 1 John, he says, 
I write these things so that you may know you have eternal life. Well, if he says that in in chapter 5, what is he saying 1 through 4? These things I write so that you may know. Third John, third John one. Actually, there's only one, <laughs> one chapter in third John. But in verse two, it says, "Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way, and that your body may be kept well, even as I know that your soul keeps well and prospers." He says, "I pray that you prosper." even as your soul prospers. You know that victory that I continue to pray about? Some of the greatest victories you're going to have is over your own soul. You're going to have some victories over anger issues, lying issues. Whatever issue that you have that's sin in your life, you're going to have some victory over that. But he says, you're going to prosper even as your soul prospers. So it's like, this prospers, this prospers, this prospers, this prospers. Look down at verse 4. And this is the heart of a father. Let me tell you. I have no greater joy than this. To hear that my spiritual children are living their lives in the truth. (laughs) There's no greater joy than to hear Carmen speak the word of God back to me. There's no greater joy than to hear Cole bring the word back to me. (laughs) They got something. They're understanding some things. No greater joy. Um, Tom, could you put up uh, a song called Make Me a Disciple? We did it last week. The one who penned this song has an understanding an attitude that knows what a disciple is all about and I'm not going to sing this I don't want to sing it right now I don't want you to be distracted by music I want you to make this a declaration for your life I want you to make this a prayer for your life Make me a servant whose heart contains the fear of my God, a vessel consumed with deep desire for God, a disciple who trusts in and looks only to God. Next verse. Do do an intimate work in me, Bringing maturity. Next. Make me a servant whose thoughts will be well-pleasing to God. A vessel enabled and empowered by God. A disciple who quickly 
quickly, quickly heeds the voice of my God. Next one. Do an intimate work in me, bringing maturity. Make me a servant whose mouth sings out the praise of God. A vessel whose mouth sings out the praises of God. A vessel whose lips confess the word of my God. That's someone who knows the word of God. A disciple whose voice declares the kingdom of God. Is there more? Make me a disciple. Not my will, but your will. In there is obedience. In there is attitude. In there is that whose heart wants to be a disciple and not a convert. Knows there's more to it than just, well, I'll go to work today. I put in my eight hours, I come home and I eat supper and I go to bed. There's more to it. There's a calling of God in our lives. I I asked him permission to say this, so I'm I'm not going beyond, I'm I'm not going out of bounds here. The man who walked in, um, is someone who's hurting in his life. Um, but we were back there and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He says, I need Jesus in my life. And he says, I need, I need him as Lord and Savior. Had some, had some things against God. He had a daughter who died and he said, you know, blame God for a long time for that. So, well, we talked about that. Now, where do we go from here? Well, he came to the recruiting office. And now, it's my job to get him to basic. And it's my job for him to become an overcomer. And so the word clearly says he's given apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists to equip the saints for works of service. So we're, we're equipping. I'm equipping you to recognize the kingdom of God versus just converts. The kingdom of God in your home. Where's the kingdom of God in your home? Where's the kingdom of God in your life? Where are the kingdom of God in your children's lives? That the increase of his government be no end. Make me a disciple. That's the invitation for you today. I don't know if we need to make copies of this. 
and hand it out, but make this declaration daily. Shout out the praises of God. One who trusts and looks only to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray right now that we take to heart that which we declare. That we actually say, Father, make me a disciple. You've called me into your realm. You've called me into your kingdom. Make me a disciple in that kingdom, in that city, in the place where you were the architect. And Father, build me. Build me and place me as you, as it pleases you. In Jesus' name.